It's still the month of July. I mean, uh, January. Me. January. Yep. I, I knew it was a J. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're getting you know old, Jess. Yep. And you know what that means? <laughs> it's still the month of the holy name of Jesus. Amen, brother. So say the name of Jesus holy throughout name. the day. You know, Jesus, have mercy on this. Jesus, I trust in you. Just project the name of Jesus into this cosmos and just sanctify the our airwaves with the sweet aroma of Christ. Terry, I'm on duty. Hey, Jesse, I'm on duty, but you mentioned uh, the name of Jesus. I thought I just have to give something that I learned on Gary Machuda's uh, uh, interview with um, Father Aylard from the Divine Mercy folks. Did you know, folks, that Sister Faustina was at confession and the priest who gave her the penance to pray the prayer for divine mercy, that's where she first heard it. Guess what it was for? It was for abortion that was taking place in Warsaw, Poland. Ooh. I never knew. Jesse, I, did, I didn't I, know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, so he really blew my whistle. I, I listen oh, in uh, to a lot of the shows, like your own show. I come into the studio while I'm doing my work, and I got my headset on, listening. I learn stuff, and I'm glad our listeners do also. But, Jess, this is a special day and the reason it's a special day, every day special, but Wednesday is dedicated to St. Joseph. So I would encourage everybody yeah. to continue to have great devotion to St. Joseph, terror of demons. Pray, Pray for, for us. us. Yeah. All right. We've got a great topic here. Uh, just the top topic is vaccines, abortion, how the church teaches teachings are being mystified. That's an interesting word for this. We'll talk about that. Also, you probably heard the breaking news this morning early. Pro-abortion Justice Stephen Breyer is uh, planning to retire. He was 82 years old, and he was the oldest one on the court. Problem with it, Jess, is, and we'll talk about it a little bit, is that the replacement Mr. Biden will put is a very a, a liberal, and I hope it, I hope the liberal's in his 80s, but it probably will be a young liberal that we have yeah. to deal with beyond our lifetime. So that's, that's not good. Nope, that's not good. Also, Jesse, we're going to be talking about the desecration of churches. We just had one last week here in Fresno, California at St. Alphonsus. They broke into the tabernacle. They did all kinds of damage inside the church. But this is going worldwide. So we're going to talk about that. Also, just a quick note, former Temple of Satan spokeswoman. Ready for this? She takes an abortion pill on live TV to try and get a little attention. I mean, are you kidding me? That's right. That's their sacrament, killing unborn babies. We've got much, much more. We've got Fulton Sheen with a special guest on his train today. But before we do any more, let's bring some soul food. Oh, Jesse, one more thing before we get to that soul food. I want to just give this, I can do it after, but I, it's something that touches my heart. When I pray, I do a little meditations on the gospel. And this Jesuit priest back in the 1940s wrote this, my meditation on the Holy Gospels. And he said this prayer, and I thought, man, this is a prayer I want to share with everyone. Oh, my God, show me that I can never be hurt if I set my heart on nothing but your holy will. Teach me to be detached that I may walk in your peace and joy. Jesse, that is a powerful, powerful um, statement where if you live that, if we can live that, we would be in great shape. That's that's my point is that's an attitude that our Lord is expecting us so that nothing can rip our peace away. When we are living the will of God, nothing can touch us. All right. Amen, Terry. I mean, it's it's uh, that's what St. Paul would say. Yeah, that's the peace of Christ that surpasses all human understanding. Yeah. Jesse, I'm getting texts from people right now. I didn't know that about Sister Faustina that 
that prayer was written for abortion in Warsaw, Poland. I'm saying, yeah, that's what Father, I just learned it, you know, what, two days ago. Yeah. So You know what, Jesse? We live, this is why we have to study our faith every day. Right, this, and, th- and this is why we exist here, to put out good, good Catholic yeah. information just like this. Yeah, well, let's get to the gospel, the soul food, brother. Yeah, today, uh, today is Wednesday, the Feast of St. Timothy and St. Titus. Oh, boy. They were two bishops uh, in the early church. Timothy was a bishop in Ephesus. Titus was a bishop of Crete. Uh, and both of them, they were living in a time when it was very difficult to evangelize them. It was a vicious, wicked Roman Empire that persecuted the apostles and the disciples. Yeah. And so I want to read the first reading because I think it speaks a lot to the laity here. It's, and and it, it's going to give a lot of encouragement, the first reading. <clears throat> it's from the second letter of St. Paul <clears throat> to Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God for the promise of life in Christ Jesus, my dear child, grace mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God whom I worship with a clear conscience. Look at that. Clear conscience. As my ancestors did. He's talking about his Jewish ancestors. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Now what a beautiful expression. What a beautiful. Yeah it is. I yearn to see you again recalling your tears so that I may be filled with joy. I think we'll just mention something about joy. Yes. <clears throat> the joy of the Lord is our strength. And what does that mean? Yeah. It means no matter what happens to us, you could be locked up in jail, lose your house in a FEMA camp. And guess what? Uh, your happiness may be taken away. Your earthly, uh, your, your earthly creature comforts may be taken away, but joy is internal. Joy comes from knowing Jesus Christ and knowing who he is, knowing who you are, and knowing where you're going if you die in a state of grace. St. Paul continues. As I recall your faith, he's talking to Timothy, that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, that I am confident lives also in you. So notice there, this passage it's very uplifting for women because this passage shows, <clears throat> it mentions no men here, but it does say that the faith of the grandmother and the mother, two females, the matriarchs, their faith, because it was lived out so beautifully, so piously, that their faith, these women, affected Timothy, who ended up becoming the, the bishop of, of Ephesus. So once again, mom, grandmother, don't minimize your role in, in the family because today's passage shows that your faith can uh, have an effect, have, have, a, have a, 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 a downward effect on those of your offspring. St. Paul says, For this reason, I remind you to stir into flame the gift of God that you have through the imposition of my hands. Wow. That's what we call for us the sacrament of confirmation where the bishop lays hands on you and gives you the sevenfold gift of the Holy Spirit or strengthens that sevenfold gift you received at baptism. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather of power and love and self-control. Other translations say a spirit of fear. 
That's exactly what the devil wants us to do, is for us to live in fear. We're supposed to live in the power of God, knowing that his promises are perfect and his promises are what give us hope. St. Paul says, So do not be ashamed of your testimony to our Lord, nor of me, a prisoner for his sake, but bear your share of hardship for the gospel with the strength that comes from God, the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, to be to God. Beautiful. I'm glad you picked that reading, Jesse. Yeah, yeah it, it just speaks a lot to a lot. And, and Terry, all of us, uh, mm-hmm. your life has been, I've known you for four, almost 40 years. I know. <laughs> your, li- your life has been one of, I mean, joy and hardship. Oh, yeah. My, my life has been one of joy and hardship oh, as yeah, well. Of course. Because when you choose to serve Jesus Christ, yep. stand by to stand by, yep. uh, the world is not going to be very nice to you. Yeah, that's a fact. Hey, I want to bring the smartest guy into the room right now, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. So we'll go full Sheen ahead. He's got a special guest. His name is Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. And I like his comment. He and Bishop Sheen were having a conversation. <laughs> and here's what Pope Benedict said to Archbishop Sheen. Not all issues have the same moral weight as abortion and euthanasia. There may be a legitimate diversity of opinions even among Catholics about waging war, applying the death penalty, but not with regard to abortion and euthanasia. And Bishop Sheen said a big amen to that. Jess, we've quoted that over the years because sometimes people accuse us that if the Pope said something about immigration or even war, you know, things like that, we say, well, that's his opinion. We got that. But it's legitimate for us to have our own opinion on those things. Yeah, absolutely, Terry. Uh, I'll, I'll give you just uh, give an example. A, a big, a classic example. Okay. Well, uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, back uh, you know, back when he was a Holy Father. Yeah. He wrote a book called Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. And he actually said this. He put this. There was a public statement that yep. went international. He said, "Quote: Everyone is free then yep. to contradict me. Yeah. I would only ask my readers for that initial goodwill." without which there can be no understanding. So he basically says, I wrote this book as a personal theologian, although I'm a pope, but I didn't write it in my magisterial authority. So he says, if you read the book, Jesus of Nazareth, hey, and if you want to criticize it, just do it with charity. Yeah. But you can really criticize it. I mean, that's humility, Terry. Yeah. That's humility. Yeah. Now, Pope Francis, to his credit, he said the same thing also back in 2018. Yep. He gave a talk to the Italian I bishop remember. at a yep. general assembly. <laughs> And, uh, and, and and they were having to talk about so many seminaries that are closing down yeah. and so many dioceses that are shrinking. So Pope Francis tells the Italian bishops the following quote, it is not a sin to criticize the Pope here. Again, he says, hey, the, the church is shrinking. It, you could criticize me uh, because this is a prudential judgment how I'm running the church. It has nothing to do with faith and morals. Well said. Those are two good quotes. When we come back, we'll talk about, I want to talk about the breaking news about the pro-abortion, Justice Stephen Breyer retiring and what that means for the future. Stay with us, family, on the Harry and Jesse Show. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, Here's Terry and Jesse. We're back to Terry and Jesse show. There is, uh, we're living right now in a time, Terry, where yes, there's, where there is reality oh, yeah. versus 
ideology. Yeah. As Catholic Christians, people of faith, patriots, and conservatives, we try to live in reality. But the vaccines and the abortion, I'm asking myself is how long is our church going to be mystified? And I say this because <laughs> in newspapers and on TV, yep. it's become fashionable to deride and demonize Catholics who refuse to get jabbed. Right. Uh, you even have several bishops and priests that are adamant that the church is calling for compulsory vaccination, and that's just not the truth. That's fact. The document of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, mm -hmm. it places very clear conditions on the moral legitimacy of the use of these uh, vaccines. That's right including the pressure on the pharmaceutical companies and governments yep. to ban the use of cell lines from aborted fetuses. And, uh, but uh, it's what's sad is on that point, our bishops seem to be silent. It's a deafening. Not only our bishops, I have to have to say, Jesse, and I'm sad to say this, the vigor of Christ, Pope Francis is not confirming me in my faith in that respect. He, because he's not, explaining what the congregation of the doctrine of faith is requiring, which is our teaching on our faith. And I'm just going to add one more thing, Jess. I don't mean to be picking on the Holy Father. It's just that I really want him to speak out with the confirming us of our faith. He's taking the congregation now, and he's going to take control of it, so there won't be, he'll be in control of what the congregation gives, so he can just say, now I'm in charge of it. So this is a concern I have, but the biggest concern is the silence. And I mean, you can't hear a peep. Not one priest. No, no. A couple of priests we've had that we've interviewed, the Dominican priest that we got his thing. But very few priests will talk about what the congregation actually said. It's really just been get 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 your jab and, and move on. Yeah, Terry. Right? And, and, and you got the newspapers, the magazines, television, yeah. uh, commercials. Yep. They're all, all pushing. Yeah, they're always publishing these reports. Yeah. On, on the so-called no-vax Catholics. And they always have, you know, insulting descriptions like they c call us eccentrics. And, uh, you know, bishops and some priests are portrayed as comic characters on the edges, if not outside the church. You know, good bishops that's like Strickland, for example. Yep. Uh, and obviously, the media is trying to make these, uh, they're trying to link all of us as imaginary enemies of Pope Francis, yeah. which is the furthest thing from the truth. Nope. There's also the usual authoritative church figure who explains how the church has already pronounced on these anti-COVID vaccines, clearly stating that they can or rather must be used without any moral or health problems. And the references to the famous note of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith on the morality of the use of certain anti-COVID-19 uh, vaccines that was published on December uh, 21st, uh, 2020 with the si counter-signature of Pope Francis. Yeah. Now, now, apart from this definition of no-vax, which as we've said many times on the show, yeah. this is an odious attempt to immediately disqualify anyone who questions the use of these vaccines, then one has to wonder whether those who talk so much about this note attributing it to it a full and definite definitive author, authorization to vaccines that use cell lines from aborted fetuses have ever really read and understood this well it's black and white i mean the cdc cd uh, cdf recommended for those for a reason refuse the vaccine 
to do so, they said, utmost to avoid any risk to health of those who cannot be vaccinated or clinical or other reasons and who are the most vulnerable. Note here how the CDF assumes as true and promise that the vaccine is totally effective, so much so that it does not consider any risk of, of this um, contagion for those vaccinated. Here's the, here's the bottom line, Jesse. The bottom line, there are certain people who doctors have said should not get the vaccine because of underlying health issues. Now, that's one issue. But the big issue is they recognize our moral conscience that says, you know what, I'm not willing to compromise my conscience, which is really uh, the king here. Uh, and, and that the fact that you mentioned that, they, that it says that in practice it's calling for pressure on the pharmaceutical companies and governments to ban the use of cell lines under discussion the example of the animal rights, this is what comes to my mind, Jesse. This is why we could have changed this if we would have fought this. The animal rights activists show that even a well-organized and motivated minority can achieve important results on this front. But because, Jesse, there wasn't any response from the church on this vaccine other than get jabbed, uh, it went right through. And us, you know, we're going, wait a minute, time out. Did, did it, wait a minute. Can we have a discussion here? No. Exactly. And Terry, I'm going to tell you how important our, our moral conscience is. Yes, tell us. Uh, St. John Henry Newman, yeah. he calls moral conscience, he says, the earliest known vicar of Christ. I like that term. Look at this. St. John Henry Newman. Yeah. I didn't know that. He says, conscience is a law of the mind. Wow. Conscience is a messenger of him who both in nature and in grace speaks to us behind a veil and teaches us and rules us by his representatives. Conscience is the earliest known vicar of Christ. I love that. Did you catch that? Yes, it's powerful. <laughs> the, vic- the vicar of Christ is somebody who speaks for Jesus. Yep. The Lord. And St. John Henry Newman says that the first vicar of Christ is not Peter. Uh-uh. He says the first vicar, the, he calls it the aboriginal. Mm-hmm. In other words, the earliest vicar of Christ is your conscience, your conscience. Powerful. <clears throat> Let me give you, you probably remember this, Terry, because it was made, it was made, uh, I'm going to show you even just in, in secular uh, society, the way even secular people understand the role of conscience. Back in 2016, there was a very famous movie made by Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. The movie was called Hacksaw Ridge. Okay. okay? It was a movie about a young Catholic who got drafted into the army during World War II. Mm-hmm. Now, his name was Desmond Moss, a true story. Uh, he had no problem getting drafted. He had no problem serving our country in the army, but he was a conscientious objector uh, uh, when it came to firing a rifle. Mm-hmm. And so he says, I'll do everything you tell me to do, but I won't carry a rifle and I'm not going to use it. I'm a conscientious objector. Mm-hmm. He says, I could work, you know, I could be an EMT. I could work in the medevac. I could do help people with, with you know, g- drag them off the field when they're shot. You could cook. You I, could be a cook. Yeah. I, I, there's a lot I can do for you. Yeah. So eventually, I mean, they harassed them oh, yeah. and they gave they them a hard them. time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. But the, ultimately, he ended up winning, Terry, yeah. in, a, in, a, in an army court of law. Because the military agreed and they recognized 
that Desmond Doss, he had the right to follow his conscience on this matter, and that his conscience, as St. John Newman says, is the original vicar of Christ, uh, they conceded and said, okay, we'll make you, we'll put you, we'll attach you to a medical unit, you don't have to carry a rifle. This is how important conscience is, Terry. It is. And, and, and uh, I, I, just, I just thought I would throw that in the I'm glad you did. Jesse, I just want to make a point here, shifting to the big news about Justice Stephen Breyer is retiring and how that's going to affect the future. Um, he's not 83, good. Not good. He's 83 years old. He was appointed by President Bill Clinton in 1994. And uh, Breyer raised eyebrows by claiming the country decided to, to resolve to its differences by the court laying down a decision, Roe versus Wade. He says, when in fact, Roe represented judges taking the issue out of the country's hands. He says the ruling has been widely credited with intensifying the abortion debate, and Breyer claimed that to re-examine such a watershed case would subvert the country's or the court's legitimacy. Well, I guess he's not going to have a say in that one. I hope. Uh, so he's he. Uh, this is something very important. President Biden, he said that he's going to pledge to name a. Are you ready for this affirmative action, which is being also confronted in the Supreme Court? He said, I'm going to put in a female black. That does, that, that's his requirement. If oh, you, so, so if you're black and you're a woman, go ahead over here. That's, that, that, that's the only line that can become another Supreme Court justice. What, Just, what, whatever happened to qualification? Yeah, exactly. That's where I was going, Jesse. This is ridiculous that he's what, just going to oh, pick what, someone like that. Whatever happened, why, why does ideology on black and on female, why does that trump qualification that makes no sense again this is pure power politics it is to put a leftist pro-abort into the office for the next 30 or 40 years yeah and and jesse byers replacement will move the court again like you said in a left-wing direction but it will ensure that the seat is filled by a liberal as you said for a long long time and this is um why it's so important that uh the president who can pick these nominees are is, is a pro-life president. I want to thank President Trump from all his picks because we wouldn't be in the position of, of overturning Roe versus Wade late in June that I hope we will because we do have judges who I believe will respect life. We didn't have that before 1973. So this has been a long wait. But here's the point. Let's pray that nobody else retires during the Biden administration, because that could change the court's, uh, you know, balance. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Terry, and going back to the article on the CDF. Oh, yeah, you do it. Yeah. The 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 first statement on the CDF is that vaccination is not, as a rule, a moral obligation for a Catholic. It must be voluntary. Yep. That's a fact. So for a Catholic. The jab is not a moral obligation, and even less can it be a legal obligation. And yet, many of those who pontificate these days, setting themselves up as exclusive representatives of the church, are even pushing for a legal obligation. A lot of bishops and dioceses. Yeah. Uh, I mean, h- how many cases of bishops forcing priests and seminaries to be vaccinated? Where then is the ideology to be found? Well, it's in the left. Yes. It, it's, it's among those who raise moral problems as well as concerns about safety and efficacy, or, or is it among those who bend the documents of the church 
to their own use and ends to make them superimposable on the indications of the government. Well, I think it's pretty obvious. It is. Where, where, uh, where, we, where we find people uh, bending the church's teachings. It's not the left, Terry. No. It's, it's compl- and, and not only that, but the CDF note indirectly recognizes the possibility of conscientious objection. It does. Yeah. Nobody but, reads that part, Rajesh. By recommending to those who, for this reason, refuse the vaccine to do their utmost to avoid any risk to the health of those who cannot be vaccinated for, for clinical or other reasons and who are the most vulnerable. Yeah. So, so yeah, the CDF, Terry, Good. assumes as true the promise that the vaccine uh, is totally effective, so much so that it does not consider any risk of contagion for those vaccinated. Yeah, it's a sad thing that we don't we have to read this right now. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk about all the desecrations that are going on in churches. They need to start to uh, basically have uh, concern over all these issues here. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jeff. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. There was a secular Harvard uh, sociologist that said, the last acceptable prejudice in America is Catholicism. <laughs> and <clears throat> this, is, this is proven by the fact that there are so many desecrated, yeah. not mosques, not synagogues, not Protestant denominate, Catholic churches. Yep. There's a surge of violence from France to America. Since the beginning of the year, there's been a long list of churches that have been destroyed. Statues of Our Lady decapitated. Sacred hosts desecrated. Yep. Yet, guess what? There's absolute silence in the media uh, and by the authorities when it comes to these crimes against the Catholic Church. And Jesse, I just want to add, it sounds like I'm being I'm beating up on our church. I don't mean to beat up on our church, but I just want to have a reasonable response. It's like when they knock over statues at our churches, where many of the pastors are saying, "Well, let's don't let's don't uh, make a big deal about this. Let's just let them, you know, let it go and not say anything and that way we'll, we'll it'll be better. Let's put our head in the sand and no. Uh, I noticed that when let's lay people stand up and say, no, we're not going to take this in our churches. We're going to start protecting our church. I know here at our church, I have guys at night coming in to pray before the Blessed Sacrament. They walk our yard. They're looking for bad guys, Jesse, who want to do bad things. And I think that we have to be conscious that there are people out there that want to destroy churches. And, and we have to be defenders of our churches. We have to protect our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament, and not just say, oh, well, let the police take care of it. No, I'm going to say just this, Jesse, that we as lay people need to keep an eye on our sacred houses of worship. Yeah, Terry, th- this, is what, this is what Rudy Giuliani called many years ago when he was the, the mayor of, of uh, New York. New York. <clears throat> he called this the, the, broken, the broken windows theory. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah remember that? Uh, yes. And, and, and what he said is, you know, he says the, the theory is, is <clears throat> if you allow broken windows to persist in a neighborhood mm-hmm. what's, and you don't repair them, what you're going to do is there's this tendency for the vandals to break more windows and more windows. And then 
go into the building and right. burglarize it that works. and be and become squatters inside the building. Yep. And so Rudy Giuliani, his his theory was as soon as we see a broken window, we're gonna fix it and then we're going to arrest the person that broke the window. Uh, and guess what, Terry? It worked. Absolutely. It worked in New York for many years. This is the same thing that we advocate we should be doing in the Catholic Church. That's right. There's this a tsunami yep. of, va- of vandalism hitting the Catholic churches. Terry, especially in the daughter of Catholicism, France. Yep. Especially there. Uh, a number of churches have been burned down there in Canada as well. Yep. Sacrilege, desecrations. Uh, and, and there seems to be this code of silence on the part of the governments and the mass media. Yep. They don't they don't show the violence against Christianity. No. Now, I will tell you this. What's interesting in these countries, many of the people that have been blamed for this are Muslim terrorists, the extreme, the extreme Muslim terrorists or Satanists. And so y- you find both of them oftentimes they're the ones that take uh uh, they take credit for the vandalism, and, and uh, even Cardinal Dolan made a de- made a, den- a public denunciation. He did. He did. Uh, not too long ago, January fourteenth, right. regarding Religious Freedom Day in the U.S., he he said this: For nearly two thousand years, the bishops of the U.S. have reported a disturbing trend of Catholic churches being vandalized and statues destroyed. C- Cardinal Dolan says, an attack on a place of worship is certainly an assault on that particular community that gathers there. It is also attacking the founding principle of America as a place where all people can freely practice their faith. And I'm glad he made such a powerful statement. Uh, yeah, Terry, go We ahead. need that, Jesse. We need direction from our leaders. Yep. And you remember, Jesse, you remember this, our, our guardian angel back in Pacoima. That was your parish. Yep. And Father Steve had these guardians of the altar. And they were young men mm-hmm. who would come and serve at the altar, but they also got formation, but they had a respect for the church. And the, uh, the, this is what we need to have now. We need to protect our churches. Just, just last week, St. Alphonsus Church in Fresno, California, they break in, they go into the tabernacle, steal hosts. Jesse, who do you think stealing hosts? Come on, dude. I mean, this is not just a, a game. There's Satanists who who value yes. those yes. hosts for black masses. Yeah, with, without a doubt, this is exactly what's going on, Terry. Yeah, and uh, it, it's it's no coincidence that that young Madeline Kramer has been arrested and charged with these hate crimes for vandalizing the doors of the Denver Cathedral last October. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, while investigations are still underway to identify who was behind the decapitation of the statue of the Virgin Mary which caused irreparable damage to the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington on the 5th of December. Uh, this is this, These sick people, Terry, they are sick. It's, it's become <clears throat> trendy, I think. Beheading statues of the Virgin Mary has become a fashion statement for those satanic Luciferian people on the left, and particularly common to Satanists. Uh, again, Satanists are vandals of the entire American continent. And last week, the statue of the Immaculate Conception was beheaded in the Argentinian Cathedral of All Saints at Santa Fe. And last September, again in Argentina, in the city of Anatuya, 
The city cemetery was vandalized and the statue of the Virgin of the Miraculous Meadow was also decapitated. And in Chile on, on the January 10th... They just keep going. Satanists set fire to one of the country's most beautiful and protected churches in San Sebastian in the Diocese of Villarica. Uh, Terry, the, the climate of hatred and violence is, has spread not only here in America, mm-hmm. but in Mexico and in Latin America and in Europe. Uh, and as Catholics, the only way this is going to stop is lay Catholic... It, what, what they've done here in Phoenix, there's a bunch of Tell men... Me. They've uh, started a group, and it's kind of an underground movement. It's called Church Protectors. Good. And so what they do is they get a bunch of guys that are, uh, you know, proficient with weapons, cops, off-duty cops, military, retired military, that are good Catholic men, and they basically patrol the churches in the Phoenix Diocese and make sure that all of them are being protected, especially the ones that are more high-crime areas. So there's a very organized movement of lay people in the Phoenix Diocese called the Church Protectors. Yeah, we need more of that. As I said, the uh, Guardians of the Altar. This is, you know, but here's what's happening too, Jesse. In my humble opinion, what I think uh, is another element of this is we've lost our zeal for our churches. We've lost, people have kind of like, well, whatever. I mean, if it happens, it happens. What can we do? They become pathetic in the sense of uh, apathy, and we can't have that. We got to get our zeal back to defend our statues, our churches. Sacred things need to be 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 uh, defended. It can't. And this is where I think we need strong leadership right now. And like I say, in Phoenix, you got that underground guys that are doing that work. We've got guys here in Southern California doing that similar thing. They. They'd lay their life down, Jesse, to protect the church from being vandalized. I know. I met guys like that. As a matter of fact, there's a guy right outside my my studio. I'm looking at him, and he's a former, he's a you know retired cop, and uh, he, he's going to be at our conference this weekend. He's he's like, you know what? I I'm there. I want to protect. I want to work for God. I want to I want to keep the sacredness of our church. I'm not willing to compromise any. Uh, violence in our churches. We have to stop this, and if I have to do it, they're going to do it. So I say thanks be to God there's men like that, Jesse. Yeah, there certainly is. And one of the things that I'm glad to see is that Tell me. all the four parishes in Scottsdale, Arizona, yeah. the pastors have activated all the men especially Good. to be... Uh, the, first of all, there's a... there's a call. Tell us what's going on, though, for those who just don't know about what's happening in February. Yeah, February 11th, 12th, and 13th, Lucian Greaves, who is the founder of the Temple of Satan here in the United States, he's going to hold a satanic conference in the city of Scottsdale in the Saguaro Hotel. It holds about 150 people. It's not that big of, it's not that big of a ballroom, but it's already sold out after, after two or three days. They sold it out immediately. Uh, and they plan on consecrating the city of Scottsdale to Satan. And so what do they have to do they're going to have to steal the Holy Eucharist. That's the way they do a black mass. Mm-hmm. So all the parishes in Scottsdale, Arizona right now are on high alert. The pastors have called all the Catholics to more prayer. More confessions going to be offered now. More liturgies are going to be offered. Uh, more holy hours, uh, public holy hours in the church are going to be offered. And you have uh, Knights of Columbus and good Catholic men that are watching every single person receive Holy Communion. Uh, make sure it goes into their mouth. They follow them back to their pew, and they're just w- looking for any suspicious person or any suspicious activities. So I'm glad to see that Scottsdale, Arizona, is on, is on high alert, and the rest of the diocese of, of Phoenix. The bishops have called them 
to get their people to come and start doing more prayer in the church, uh, to re- re- make sure you're in a state of grace, receive the sacraments more frequently, to do more holy hours for the uh, in anticipation of the upcoming Satanic Conference so that God can protect us from this scourge that's going to fall upon Scottsdale for February 11th, 12th, and 13th. We come back, Jesse. Yeah. We're going to have our good friend Michael Vores from Church Militant. Some of the stories they're going to be covering, I'll knock you off your horse. This is, uh, it's amazing. But you know what? It shows, again, a need for all of us to be praying for Holy Mother of the Church to return a sense of sacredness uh-huh. back. Jesse, we have the Spiritual Warfare Conference coming up. We've got over 650 people coming. Uh, those who can't come, we've been sold out for eight weeks, can watch it on the Internet if they go to vmpr.org they can still sign up on my phones are ringing off the hook they have people come and watch uh, actually you, you can watch it on your internet by going to vmpr.org sign up for the conference and uh, then it'll be your material that you can share with friends i'm going to suggest that you bring families over for a night where you pray the rosary and then show one of the conferences in the future and you'll be uh, passing on the spiritual warfare message hey uh, right. this is terry and jesse we're too blessed to be stressed We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. Michael Voris from Church Militant will join us after a quick break here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now... Here's Terry and Jesse. This is our strength and honor segment with Michael Voris, a good friend of the show, a brother in Christ that we lock arms with. Absolutely. Michael, welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. What's going Guys, on? How are in, we're too blessed to be stressed. What's going on in the world of Catholicism and the culture oh, world? Well, the, you know, it's, if, if you notice, it seems like every week we do this, there's always <laughs> either the day before or the day of, there's always some bomb that gets dropped in Rome. Right. Well, here's here's today's. It's just like a weekly schedule with the Pope Francis pontificate. He has come out and affirmed uh, the idea of different sexual orientations among children. It is uh, uh, the context of it was a speech that he was giving or an address he was giving talking to parents about all the various problems and everything that they have to, uh, you know, they encounter as parents and, you know, sad children and this and that and everything, sort of going through a list of things he also said. And for those of you who have children with different sexual orientations, you know, it is a challenge for you to learn how to accompany them. There's, I love that word. Actually, I don't. I hate that word. (laughs) I hate it. Uh, Yeah. Accompany them with, uh, which generally means accompanying them into hell. That's what I Um, want to say. And uh, so, you know, look, it's it's the same old, same old, same old thing here that, uh, yes, if somebody has some kind of whatever their their, uh, problem is, it may be a moral problem of alcoholism, you know, homosexuality, whatever. I mean, there's certainly millions of problems. Uh, but the thing is that, you know, he's always like, yes, we must be compassionate. And then he moves on. It's like, well, part of compassion is telling people the truth. And, you know, he just never kind of finishes the thought that way. It's always just, you know, we must accompany them and da, da, da. Well, there's, there's more to it. So, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, I, I don't know if many people actually realize this or not, but Pope Francis is the first Pope 
uh, in the church who has become pope who was had nothing to do with the traditional rite. Uh, he wasn't ordained in it. Right. He wasn't consecrated in it. He certainly wasn't elevated to pope in it. Right. He's the very first, uh, you know, he's kind of like the, the first thing all the way through the first pope thing. First pope all the way through the pipeline who the tradition of the church never touched. Uh, so it's, you know, you, you often wonder, I mean, is this malicious on his part? Let's charitably say no. Is it malformed on his part? Because this is just you know 50 years after the council, 60 years after the council. Here we are. The 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 convoluted thinking and the the whole medicine of mercy thing without ever somehow thinking of mercy as being an entity on its own that has nothing, no relationship to the truth. Uh, you know, it's. Michael, the, if I could it jump, keeps happening. If I can jump in, I saw the article this morning on secular media, and they all took it as, "Hey, a lot of Catholics are confused. Which is it?" And it seems that that's been a style of Pope Francis. Rather than uh, clarity with charity, we've got ambiguity, and so that people are not knowing what to do. And so I just want to make one clarification because you got two more topics, and that is the church understands if you have an inclination to be a fornicator, you need to repent and believe in the gospel. If the church understands that if you have a sense of, of a desire to have same-sex attraction, that you have the same response, repent and believe in the gospel. That's all I'm looking for. Is that too much? Yeah, apparently it is. I, I mean, I don't understand what's so hard to say about that. I mean, we've been on the air together, what, two minutes? And yeah, yeah, pretty pretty much encapsulated church teaching. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not difficult. No. You know, ten year olds understand church teaching. Sure. I, I, it's this constant. You know, you know, uh, the the Irish have the expression plaster and palaver. It, it means well, politely, it means BS. I know. I was just going to say, how will you do that politely? <laughs> I was going to say, how am I going to say that politely? But I mean, that's what it is. It's just, it's, it's uh, yeah. you know, the, there's another one the Irish have called grama cream, which is just, you know, you just keep slacking on you know what, yep. and, you know, eventually you don't see what the issue is anymore. Yep. You know, you know, th this isn't, this isn't very difficult. I, I think it was Cardinal Seurat made a, he made a comment when it came to about, giving people holy communion that are in a state of mortal sin he says all you have to do is ask a seven or eight year old mm -hmm. and right. they'll tell you yeah cardinal Seurat says you don't you know you don't need a degree in theology you don't yeah. need you don't need advanced degrees in anything ask a seven-year-old kid that's been formed by the baltimore catechism <laughs> can you receive holy communion if you're in a state of mortal sin and he'll tell you yeah it's pretty simple Michael, we got five minutes, I, uh, six minutes. I want to make sure those other two stories get covered. What's the second story you're going to cover this evening on the news? Well, I think people are, are uh, lots of people aren't really necessarily seeing the connection between the whole COVID yeah. in story, the, the, the uh, uh, empire of COVID evil yeah. <laughs> or the evil empire of COVID mm. and the spiritual war that is really undergirding all of that. So we cover all of that a lot. Uh, in our evening newscast, and we'll be doing it again tonight. It's interesting watching the pushback. Canada has thousands and thousands and thousands of United States truckers driving into Canada, awesome. as well as many more 
Canadians, sort of homegrown truckers, who are all in this massive convoy of tens of thousands of trucks yep. who are all descending on Ottawa, the nation's capital, Canada's, Canadians, uh, Canada's capital, uh, specifically to protest the whole vax mandate of Justin Trudeau. Fake Catholic. Um, you know, it really is the case when you get one of these fake Catholics, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, Justin Trudeau, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And these guys receive power, uh, authority, earthly authority, when because they're so high up initially in the order of grace because of their uh, Catholicism. When they fall, they fall far, much farther than anybody else falls and turn, you know, essentially, and you know, completely demonically controlled. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, you know, that's what's going on in Canada right now. So we're like, well, okay, this is a, this is a good story because behind everything on the superficial level, on the natural level, just peer through it, and there's the supernatural. Well said. You know what I've seen, Michael, I've noticed that the Catholic faith, our faith is so beautiful and powerful that it produces extremes. What do I mean by that? Yes. When somebody rejects Catholicism and they've been, you know, brought into the body of Christ through baptism, received the sacramental graces, when you turn your back on, on on God and live in a mortal sin, you get the Stalins of this world, you get the Hitlers of this world, you get the Joe Bidens, the Pelosi's. But when you turn your face towards God at Orientum, you get the Saint Maximilian Kolbe's, Saint Faustina's, Saint Padre Pio, Saint John Paul II. The Catholicism has produced the holiest people that have ever walked on planet Earth, and also the biggest monsters that ever walked on planet Earth. Yep, no, that's very well put. That's okay. a, you know that's a very easy supernatural explanation for that too. Did you cooperate with or reject grace? Simple. Yeah. Life is that simple. Michael, what's the third story? Third story is only 31% of Americans support U.S. intervention in the Ukraine, Amen. less than one-third. Why are we getting involved? Exactly. Anything to do with Hunter? Again, you have a very corrupt, essentially apostate Catholic. I mean, that's probably not, you know, uh, theologically the tag you would put on Joe Biden, but it's close enough, <laughs> close enough for soup. And, uh, uh, you know, and his whole family is completely corrupt. They have gone completely over to the dark side. And now here's a guy sitting there in office who's compromised because of the uh, the business dealings, the family business dealings with Ukraine. Right. And here's a guy who, you know, is all of a sudden uh, using his authority, which he got by stealing an election, uh, corrupt Catholic, yep. thoroughly corrupt Catholic, and is ready to do some sort of military uh, intervention over there, send other young families' children to their death. Uh, and you've got to wonder, is this part of his corruption because of Hunter's dealings in the Ukraine? Um, I, I would, you know, if I was, if Joe was sitting right here, not that he could understand what I was saying, but I'd say, Joe, are you kind of crazy? You know, you really don't start wars with Russia in the winter. Have yeah. you heard this? Yeah, you think? Try World War II. <laughs> Michael, let me ask you a question. If President Trump, if it was changed and he was the president at this time, and this was happening, don't you think a lot of people would be complaining out the doors and yelling and screaming, yeah, I told you he was going to get us into a war, and now, well, I, go ahead. I, I, I think the point for that is if Trump were in office, this wouldn't be happening. Absolutely not. You wouldn't be having this situation. Right. That's the point. I mean, this whole Russia-Ukraine thing, you know, Russia wants Ukraine as, a, as like a buffer exactly. against, uh, sure. you know, and I mean, it's not like Joe Biden came to office and they all of a sudden decided, hey, it'd be nice to have Ukraine as a buffer. Nope. They've wanted this for years, Absolutely. but they didn't dare make a move 
with uh, with Trump in office. Of course not. So nothing's changed on that scale, right. except except Hunter's probably still collecting his interest uh, interest payments from Burisma. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't even know if he's still on the board of directors there or not. But w- whether he is or not, the Biden family is as corrupt as hell yeah. across the board. And they, they, you know, China is a world power largely because of Joe Biden. Yep. Uh, this whole Ukraine Russia thing is now you know escalating beyond. Be- because of Joe slash Hunter Biden. And, um, you know, it's, uh, (laughs) this is what you get. You turn your back on God and this is what you get. And if that person who turns his back on God gets power, God help all of us. Michael, can I give a plug one more minute about you guys? Christine did a, an investigation on a monastery. Can you share that? I want to make that, I want to make sure people see that even though it's, it's sad to see it, but we have to be aware of it. Could you share a little bit? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's not a monastery, not in the sense we think. It's a, uh, uh, they, they pass themselves off as Carmelites. They're not Carmelites. They have no association whatsoever wow. uh, with either of the two groups of Carmel, nothing. They advertise themselves like that, but they have nothing to do with them. Uh, they're, uh, uh, you know, th- there's a whole shady past there with the, uh, the, uh, the friar who runs it, oh. uh, some of the people around him and, you know, that we did this lengthy interview, you know, the young fellow, good fellow, he was here, you know, we've interviewed him a few times before and talked to him for gosh, going on close to a year, I suppose now. And, uh, you know, a very good, young, committed man just wanted to give him life to the church and help and pray and all of that. And he's like, uh, I think there's some like homosexual grooming going on there. I mean, the thing that really jumps out is that, you know, one of the priests there, uh, spiritual directors, sitting there giving spiritual direction in his underwear. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, to all these novices coming in. That's not it's a like, red flag. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, me yeah, I'm pretty sure that constitutes red flag. Yeah, As a matter of fact, if you look up red flag in the dictionary, <laughs> there's a picture of that priest sitting there in his underwear. <laughs> Mike, again, to follow it up, we only have a minute. I, church militant's all about saving souls, but you're exposing... Yep. Error with truth, and I just want to thank you guys for what you do. Jesse, your final thoughts? Keep it up, Michael. Uh, we yeah, keep, we uh, like to lock arms with you guys and continue fighting the good fight. Know that you have brothers here in the West Coast. Absolutely. God bless you guys. Got it. Yep. Yes. Hey, the conference is coming up this weekend. There's still time. My phone's ringing off the hook for people wanting to register. Go to vmpr.org for the Spiritual Warfare Conference. Last thing I ask Jesse every day. What state should we be living in, brother? State of grace. Do not live in a state of mortal sin. Pray your rosary every day. Read your Bible every day. Become holy or die trying. Remember Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because people are not there to pray and make sacrifices. Let's make those sacrifices for the salvation of souls here at Virgin Most Powerful. We want to do it. Join us with that. May God richly bless you and your family. See you again tomorrow.